Welcome to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood, hosted by Jean Natali, co-founder and CEO of Troutwood. Watching Trees Grow is here to help Gen Z plant the seed for a sustainable and stable financial future. If you'd like to discover more from Troutwood, our speaker series is designed to work side-by-side with the Troutwood suite of investment, educational, and financial planning tools. Please visit troutwood.com to learn more. Now, here's Jean Natali. Welcome to the Troutwood Speaker Series. I'm Gene and I'm with Troutwood. Today we have a very special guest. My shirt, uh, and for those listening just to the audio, I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt. That is a hint of where today's guest is from. Today's conversation is intended to share the experiences of a pension trustee with the goal of helping to remove the fear from finance and replace it with confidence. We're going to have a conversation understanding the, the role, what a, what a pension trustee does. We're going to bridge that to financial education. Our guest, Vince Barfield, is a trustee of Hawaii, the, of the, excuse me, of the Hawaii Employees Retirement System, where he chairs the investment committee. A nearly $20 billion pension system managed on behalf of uh, roughly 130,000 Hawaiian residents. Vince, welcome to the Troutwood Speaker Series. Hey, thanks, Jane. It's a pleasure to be with you. Vince, and I'll just I'll give the quick background for our audience. Uh, it's been a few years since we've seen one another, and last time I saw you was on the islands. That's right. Uh, can, can you give, uh, it's, it's a pleasure, it's a privilege talking with you. Can you give our listeners just kind of a short background about yourself, the non-finance side of this? Sure, sure. I um, uh, grew up in a military family, so born in Japan, raised on the east coast of the U.S. mainland. Uh, got to Hawaii uh, in the middle of my teen years, finished out high school here, went to college at the university, uh, got a finance degree, and then uh, started my business and banking career, which uh, spanned uh, almost four decades, uh, last 26 of which was uh, uh, with uh, uh, one of the largest banks here in Hawaii, publicly traded bank called Bank of Hawaii. And uh, about the last 15 years of that, I served in the executive ranks there and I ran businesses like the uh, commercial real estate loan division, uh, the trust company, uh, the private bank, which uh, managed our affluent clients, uh, also uh, oversaw our brokerage, our international private banking business, um, and a number of others. And, uh, and then uh, kind of uh, uh, on the sidelines there, I served in the military. Um, served for 20 years in the U.S. Navy Reserve and uh, uh, did that uh, mainland Hawaii. Uh, and most of that was on a part-time basis until 9-11 happened. And I actually left the bank for a year and served on the command staff here at U.S. Pacific Command uh, and uh, then returned the, uh, to the bank, as I said, about a year uh, after that and uh, continued my banking career. Vince, thank you for your service uh, as well. And I understand that probably congratulations are in due because you mentioned that career window and it recently ended. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, was lucky enough to be able to retire just a couple of years ago. So uh, after nearly four decades uh, of working, now I'm in retirement mode. And uh, my big job is supporting the state through my role as a trustee in the uh, retirement system. And that is not a small role. Uh, we're going to dive into what it means to be a trustee for anyone who might be hearing that term for the first time or hearing the term pension fund for the first time. Before we do, and that's going to be the rest of our conversation, 
Are you good at being retired? Oh, very much so. All right, good, I, good, good. I've worked uh, continuously since I was 16 years old, so uh, taking a break right now uh, has been really refreshing. Although I'd, I'd have to say, uh, you know, we as board volunteers put in a lot of hours supporting the system. So uh, there's a lot of effort that goes into it, but uh, one that's well worthwhile. Absolutely. Vince, can I ask what your first job was at the age of 16? Uh, I worked actually on base, uh, part of the Navy, Navy Exchange uh, retail system. And so in the food service area, uh, doing a number of different things, working in the kitchen, busing tables, uh, trying to earn an extra buck. And uh, that actually helped me through my college years, which I continued until I graduated. For anyone who maybe has never visited Hawaii, can you give us a, just a, a brief uh, what is it like living on the islands? Share a little bit of the cultural history. Sure. Uh, you know, I've been here for almost five decades, came here in my teen years, and then uh, uh, really had no intention of uh, staying. But, uh, you know, went to school, uh, met my future wife, uh, got married, had a family, uh, and then established a nice career. Um, and, you know, looking back, I, I can think of no better place to have worked and raised a family than here. We're a, we're a small community, about one and a half million in the state. Most of that's actually located here on the island of Oahu, uh, where uh, Honolulu, our capital is. Um, and I think the mix of you know the Hawaiian culture, which is very family oriented, very focused on taking care of our environment mixed with a very large representation of the Asian culture that immigrated here when we were an agricultural economy and we needed labor and uh, we contracted from many different countries in the Asia Pacific region to bring on that labor force. That's been integrated here and we probably have uh, one of the most culturally diverse states uh, in the country. And what I find so fascinating is with that mix uh, that everyone gets along so well here. You know, we. I, I, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up on the East Coast, spent uh, a lot of time down South. And, uh, you know, I saw some of the struggles that we had uh, in uh, race relations. And I, I just don't see that here in the islands. Uh, you know, the, the ethnicities really mix very well. Um, I often told visitors who came to the bank uh, to support us from the U.S. mainland that, you know, um, the experience here in the culture here is probably where the country and the world wants to be. You know, it's such a nice mix and people get, get along so well. Mm. Uh, Vince, I've never had a negative experience on the islands and maybe the single best cup of coffee I ever had was the morning that we were preparing years ago for the event we did with clients of the banks and the financial yeah. education. Just the, the Yeah. Well, you know, uh, we try to use locally grown coffee there uh, in a lot of our bank functions. And so, uh, you know, Kona coffee or blends from that uh, are very popular. That's, I've not been able to replicate it since. Yeah. Vince, so I don't, what, in your words, what is the Hawaii employees retirement system? And then I want to have our listeners, particularly our student listeners, high school and college students understand what that means. Sure. Well, the uh, retirement system was formed uh, almost 100 years ago in 1926. It was essentially established to provide retirement benefits 
for government employees that were working across the state. So it includes state employees in all of our major counties. And if you take the four major islands, each island is its own county and they have uh, their own county employee base. But uh, the retirement system was the umbrella uh, benefits uh, organization uh, that covered all of the uh, county employees as well as state employees and what's called a multi-employer plan. Um, our job uh, in the system is to take care of uh, administering those benefits, uh, including all the financial assets. I think you mentioned at the beginning, you know, that we're a 20 billion, nearly a $20 billion system now. So uh, it's a lot in assets that we've accumulated and that we're responsible for uh, managing properly so that we can ensure that when our government employees uh, do reach retirement, uh, they can be assured that they will have that monthly paycheck to help them uh, sustain uh, their living expenses uh, once they're in retirement. And a nearly 100-year history is a sign of a job well done. Yeah. If, if for a young person saying, boy, I've never heard that term pension before, how does someone get the opportunity to participate in a pension fund? Yeah, you know, um, we've actually had several iterations of what qualifies to participate. But, you know, first, uh, you have to be working um, as a full-time employee and full-time uh, where you're accruing benefits is uh, anyone working 20 or more hours a week for the state or the counties. Uh, and then... Um, you have to be working that capacity for um, a certain number of years. And so the retirement threshold uh, generally is uh, 30 years of service uh, and 60 years old in order to actually qualify for the benefit and start uh, earning a pension. Um, uh, there is a um, shorter track there that you can gain if you're a little bit older. So that would be retiring at 65 with 10 years of service. And then uh, some of the employee groups within our community um, might vary a little bit off those numbers depending on the type of uh, job that they have. Um, and if you take our police and fire departments where it's a little higher risk, uh, we do allow them to retire earlier. And so their programs vary a little bit off of those numbers. Two, two words you mentioned that I'd like to just get your definition on as well. Benefit and pension. And within uh -huh. the context of if I work 20 hours or more uh -huh. at 60, I qualify for these two things. How, how would you define both a benefit and a pension? Well, after working uh, those number of years and qualifying for retirement, uh, you then can stop working and uh, start generating that retirement check monthly without actually having come into the office and uh, enjoy some of the other things that uh, you might want to do, travel and so forth, and uh, be assured that you, you'll be collecting a uh, pension check for the rest of your life. That, that is no small thing, a pension check for the rest of your life. No, it isn't. And um, it's actually rather exceptional in today's uh, environment. You know, when we started the plan, you know, back in the 20s and for the next, you know, I'd say 60 years, it may have been the most uh, prevalent form of retirement plan that was offered, a uh, fixed pension. You know, both uh, governments as well as corporations offered that. Uh, but then, you know, once we got into the 80s and since then, 
we've seen in the private communities that the alternative that is uh, typically offered is a defined contribution plan rather than a fixed pension. And uh, these are your 401ks uh, as an example. And this uh, really um, is kind of change in responsibility where the individual uh, now uh, has to take a lot more responsibility in managing their future retirement benefit. And so uh, um, that I think really relates to this growing need for strong financial education, which Gene, you know, you're, you're leading that effort force, especially with youth. And that's why I actually think it's so important, this mission that you have in your organization to help with that. Thank, thank you, Vince. The, this, that was a powerful comment you made. The individual must take more responsibility. I, you just got my curiosity as an individual. What can I learn from you and your experiences as a trustee where you're in the boardroom? You, you know, you've been administering, helping to administer a very successful entity in the Hawaii ERS. Well, you know, one of the things um, that has opened my eyes in my years uh, working with the state pension plan, and um, by the way, I've been a trustee for 10 years now. I'm in my second term. You know, it's just the amount of highly qualified professional resources that we partner with in order to manage the plan. And um, they uh, help us uh, make sure that we're doing right by all of the members and that we can uh, shore up our uh, finances and performance to ensure that we can deliver that pension check, you know, for 30 years into the future. Uh, in the non-pension world where the individuals have to take on that responsibility, um, you know, it just to me shows such a great contrast be behind or between, you know, what we see in the pension world with all the great resources and the individuals who actually have to themselves marshal education and resources to help to lay out their own plans and start to put some of that money away and manage it properly. The individual has to fulfill the role of the pension, the income yeah. for life that you had referenced. Yeah. That's right. What, one thing I think is important to, to share, you, you had mentioned the, you, when you say the high quality professionals whom you have the opportunity to interact with, it's who do those high quality professionals ultimately work for in the example of OIERS? Well, they, they uh, essentially work for the system, and we as the governing body, the trustees of the organization, they work for us, uh, and they help us uh, administer the various functions uh, within the ERS, and probably the most notable being just managing the financial assets, the 20 billion or so. So we employ uh, various consultants to help us uh, structure our policy and strategy uh, we have a general consultant uh, for certain specialized assets like private equity and real estate. We have consultants in each one of those areas. Uh, we partner with a lot of different managers. We probably employ upwards of 50 plus managers in the system uh, that manage various assets for us across our allocation spectrum. Um, and these are, you know, world global managers, uh, global consultants that, uh, you know, bring the 
uh, best resources and skills uh, to help us in Hawaii, you know, manage our resources for our membership. So those 130,000 members have these high quality, best in class caliber professionals working essentially to help them have that income for life. That's right. That's right. The benefits and the pensions. So, so I'm an individual and right now thinking, okay, boy, that sounds really good. I want what Vince just said, but I, I maybe don't have the option of, of a pension. Vince does a, if I, does a Vanguard per se or Fidelity or Charles Schwab, or maybe those are even companies you're familiar with through the experience at ERS. An individual can gain that at least a similar caliber of expertise. Is that fair to say? Not obviously the depth, but at least. Yeah. I think you'll find that most of the major providers uh, are very good about providing online education and resources mm -hmm. that participants can use. Um, I highly encourage that. Um, you know, we used Vanguard when I was at the bank and they did a great job and support uh, uh, both directly uh, coming to visit us to provide uh, education and guidance, but also with all their online options. You know, the other thing that I think it's really important, uh, especially for young folks who are starting out and um, have the opportunity to participate in the 401k that their employer might be providing, is to take advantage of any sorts of added benefits through that program that the employer is funding. And many um, companies, uh, you know, they offer matching programs. So to encourage you to invest and save for your future, that retirement benefit that you're going to need once you hit 65 plus, uh, you know, the, the employer will match, you know, certain level of dollars. Uh, and um, that can really leverage your savings pretty quickly. I think the challenge for young folks is just to um, maybe have that on scope uh, in their 20s and early 30s when you've got so many other priorities of living your life, but uh, you can't forget this future need that you're going to have and having some discipline around that and taking advantage of uh, some of what your employer might be providing you, uh, I think is so important. Company match is one of those firework terms where everyone listening, check that box, make it happen if yeah. you can. Yeah. When I when you I view Vince pension funds as perpetual in nature, they're designed to last long past us as individuals for future employees and future retirees. Right. You just made the comment that if we can get people younger in their twenties thinking, you know, about these investment choices, it's not a one-to-one -one correlation. But if I, at the age of twenty-two, choose to opt into a 401k and I'm looking at a 40 plus career and a 60 to 80 plus life expectancy, there's, there's certainly a, an analogy to a perpetual nature that I can apply at that age. Yes, you can. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can, uh, you can achieve the equivalent of what, you know, the old pension structure provided. Um, but, you know, you've got to be disciplined about it and you got to start early. Discipline is, is, is that fair to say that's one of maintaining the discipline I would put in the role of, of your role as a trustee. Is that fair to say managing the investment policy statement, keeping the managers and the consultants within the boundaries? Right. Absolutely. Um, that structure, um, the process, the oversight, um, the reporting, the risk reviews that we have, 
yeah, that all adds that element uh, of discipline to make sure that, you know, we're doing what we need to, to keep the plant healthy, not only now, but for the future, as our active employees retire over the next 10, 20, 30 years and are looking for that monthly benefit. Mm -hmm. So if I'm an individual, I'm going to try my best to bridge the perpetual nature here. And I've got a 40 year career and I'm going to say we live to 100 now. So I've got a 40 year retiree, in my analogy, right? Start investing at 20, work till 60, live to 100. The first 40 years are the growth component of your role with the pension and the ERS, that right. assets we have to grow for our future workers. Right. The next 40 years are the retirees, the spending policy piece that when you say managing risk, you're managing a seesaw of younger workforce retirees who need income and that that's the balancing act yeah that's a balancing act and it's also continuous right we continually have new employees that are coming on board so even if we're looking at it through today's lens and we see that you know most of our active force will be retired in 15 to 20 years since our average active force is in their 40s uh we're at that point we're going to have a lot of new employees coming on board to serve the state and so, you know, their time horizon will be 30 years beyond that. So it's continuous. Mm -hmm. I like to try to bridge expertise like yours and expertise from organizations like the ERS to decisions that we as can make as individuals. Um, I just love that simplicity, that approach. View your first 40 years as growth and your second 40 as conservative. Listen to Vince, hear from these experiences. It's mm -hmm. not as scary as you might think it is. Yeah. So I, I had made the, maybe I, that come about boundaries, staying within the boundaries. And when I said boundaries, Vince, I was referring to the investment policy statement that ERS has. Yeah. How important would you view that document in terms of success of the entity? Oh, it's extremely important. It really lays out uh, the game plan for how we invest in uh, the assets for the ERS. It uh, sets up the guardrails that, um, our uh, staff, our managers, our consultants are operating within. It also helps us as trustees ensure that we're operating within those boundaries and that our reporting and uh, our reviews of activity results uh, reflect, uh, you know, that investment policy. I, and if, if you, um, if you take the time and actually go to our ERS website, uh, the policy statement is linked in there. It's uh, probably a hundred page plus document, but it lays out our approach pretty clearly, uh, including our allocation and our risk-based approach. And uh, I think it would be interesting reading for anyone. Well, my students at Pitt are gonna cringe at this, but they, we just gave them a homework assignment, Vince. Uh, uh, okay. But now, so we've actually had our team members at Troutwood read uh, these IPS statements because one of the analogies I like to draw is individual personal financial plans can serve that same very important function that you just alluded to. Right. Yeah, very much so. And if we take time to read and understand from like an IPS, like Hawaii ERS, that's a big deal learning possibility. And it's accessible. It's I could go online right now, download it and read it. That's correct. We'll be putting that in the show notes. Okay. Uh, Vince, do you, is there a moment when you, you, the 10 years that you've been a trustee, is there a moment that makes you smile or that you think back on and say, 
boy, was that impactful. Boy, did I learn a lot in that situation. You know, I'd have to say there probably wasn't an individual moment or an individual meeting, but I would say it may have been a theme. Um, And if you, if I go back and I think about the 10 years that I've been working with uh, the plan, you know, I started in 2011, which was, you know, three years after the financial crisis, the great financial crisis. And uh, we were still smarting from that experience, uh, like many plans and uh, institutions around the country. Uh, we took a big hit with the crisis, you know, a 40% hit in our portfolio. And in a pension plan, is that's even more impactful because, you know, it took us a number of years to recover from that. We knew we would recover, but the length of time it took us to recover was very impactful because in a pension plan, we're distributing funds every year to our beneficiaries. So when you take a big hit like that and you're distributing funds, you never have an opportunity to recapture the return you lost on those funds you're distributing. So, um, you know, taking a 40% hit in the portfolio, even though you might recover all of it in three to five years, um, um, has a negative long-term impact on our ability to keep, uh, you know, the, the financial balance that we're trying to achieve. So um, when I came on board, that was the part of uh, some very heavy strategic review that we were doing. And we wanted to structure um, a policy and a strategy that would help us mitigate that. So we kind of switched from traditional asset allocation between equities and fixed income. uh, And we took more of a risk focus. So we looked at our assets from the standpoint of how they were being impacted by uh, risks across the spectrum, most notably, uh, you know, growth risk in the economy and how that influences how our portfolio might react. And then we, um, we changed the structure to include some classes that would mitigate some of that risk in a severe downturn. So rather than take a 40% hit in the crisis like we did, maybe we could uh, mitigate that uh, 25, 30%. Uh, and uh, that's the approach we take, we took. And then we redeveloped our strategy. We, we did redeveloped our policy to reflect that. And we also had to uh, reestablish some of our managers, uh, even our investment team that works uh, within the ERS. At the time that I joined, we only had one staff member who was supporting our investment function. So we relied heavily on our investment consultants. Well, today we've got seven staff members, including our CIO. So, you know, we feel a lot more comfortable that the decisions that we're making uh, at the system level and among the trustees, we're managing and controlling um, ourselves uh, versus, you know, sharing uh, a lot of that let's say, with the consultants. Uh, there's a much better balance today than there was previously. So, um, and I think that can, that also helps us assure that we're on track and you know, staying with the strategy and the policy that we've structured. So um, over the course of those 10 years, you know, we did that, we kind of shifted strategy, we did more of a risk focus, we built out our investment team and, and I feel real good about um, those accomplishments. 
the more money that's going out the door, the longer the time period to recover, recover from events like the great financial crisis. That's correct. There's the, the concept of spending policy distributions. The, the I know it just it predates you just a, a little there, but how big of a factor was stay the course, stick with it when we go through that kind of 08, 09 type period, you said 40%. Those aren't easy numbers to see on paper. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think uh, we run a pretty conservative plan. And so the stick to it uh, meant that, um, you know, we had to, we weren't going to jump and try to jump ship in terms of our strategy at the time or go chase returns in a, in a higher risk environment. So, uh, we were pretty disciplined about that. Now, um, with my experience uh, in other roles, you know, I, I, I see a lot of variance in approach. And unfortunately, post or during the crisis, uh, we did see a lot of folks who did jump ship, especially toward the tail end of it when uh, the market was hitting rock bottom and they were jumping out of equities. And, you know, they essentially lost the cycle back up uh, when they were trying to play it um, conservative and uh, they lost out on having their portfolios uh, return. And the older you are when you do that, the less time that you have to make that up. And so you have said discipline multiple times and I write it down on the notepad in front of me every time you say it, Vince. That is such an important word as we look to administer a system like ERS or our own individual 401k. Right. What's what's the bridge to financial education? You know, how important is it in lieu of some of these changes that you you referenced, or even in lieu if there aren't changes and pension funds are around forever? Well, you know, I I think our system does a nice job in terms of offering education with regard to choices that employees have on uh, various options that are available within our plan. And then you know, when they're getting close to retirement, uh, we go through counseling to help them make the right choices as far as their benefit structure, when they retire. Um, but, you know, in most cases, people are going to need more than just uh, their pension from the state to, to survive. And so looking at it more broadly, uh, you know, the need for financial education uh, among our members uh, is great. And some of this, you know, they are going to have to achieve you know, through their own channels. And um, as we see, I think in the private communities, you know, we see less and less of that, I think, uh, happening. You know, um, the lens I have uh, is, of course, uh, much later in years. But as I reflect back, I, you know, my uh, as far as the youth experience, uh, I, I kind of look at it through my own children who are right now in their 20s. And... Um, my wife and I got been a little concerned as they were about to leave the house after high school graduation and go off to college and just thinking that, you know, uh, how are they fitted right now to uh, take care of themselves, you know, from a financial education standpoint. And we, we felt that uh, they were kind of weak in that area. That was also about the time that G and I first met you. And you were doing some uh, traveling and support you know, in the investment world, but uh, you shared with me some of your thoughts around education. And uh, I really liked your missing semester book. And so 
that was something that I actually shared with all three of my children as they went off to their first year of college. And I thought that was really impactful for them. Um, I also felt it was important enough that uh, in our business group at the bank where we actually dealt with um, families, uh, you know, we had uh, an event where we brought in uh, dependent children who were in similar circumstance. And we uh, had you come in, Gene, and talk to them. And I, th I thought that was really impactful and the feedback was really strong. And I just think it shows a need for uh, that we have a lot of gaps right now, I think, out in the world, especially for our youth, where uh, we don't have that. And I think we need to find some more options and consistent resources to provide it. There was a lot that other organizations can learn from that event you are alluding to, Vince. I remember that we had two young employees from the bank do a Q&A for the mm -hmm. clients, and they were just two terrific um, young men who were very honest about their lack of financial know-how. Right. Um, that's is, is there a most common question that that the ERS gets from their either trustees or not, excuse me, not trustees, but retirees or current workforce? You know, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a common question. I mean, there, a lot of it is very personal for them on their own choices regarding, uh, you know, their status in the plan, um, the years uh, that they have left in order to achieve retirement, when that benefit kicks in, you know, the options that they can choose uh, as they go into retirement. Um, I think with regard to how we're managing the plan and, uh, you know, I think generally as we do education sessions, the feedback has been good. We try to keep them consistently informed uh, again, if you go to our website, uh, you know, the members have access to all of our meeting minutes, uh, our policy, um, our overall system strategy. Um, there's a lot of information that I think the members have access to. And so, you know, uh, you know, they can self-educate with regard to how we manage the plan. And if they do have questions, we're always available to, to answer them. So Vince, I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit. And if you and I were to reverse roles right now, which means that I would fly out to Hawaii and enjoy some time on the islands. And you would come here to Pittsburgh and teach my last class at the university. It's a personal finance class. What lessons would you try to instill upon those students with this 10 years experience that you have as a trustee of a gigantic pension fund with your experience at Bank of Hawaii? What would you what would you teach in that one class? Well, we sort of touched upon it earlier, and that is, um, you know, approaching your financial life with uh, some discipline and um, planning for that event that's going to be forty plus years into the future, and it's really hard to do. You know, when you're twenty something. You know, it's very difficult for you to see yourself in your 60s at that point where, you know, you're going to make that retirement decision and you're going to need some structure to your life then. And, you know, you're not going to be getting that support through active employment. So you're going to have to have planned for this. And so 
achieving that discipline early, I think, is extremely important. Important, and, and look for opportunities to do that. You know, whether it's through self-education, where you're doing that research, you know, through um, online options. If you're employed, you know, work with your employer and whoever the retirement provider might be, that will definitely have a lot of education tools for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, map out your own journey, your own plan, but start early. Start early. That's I, I hope every young person listening hears that time is a big part of the toolkit when it comes to investing. Yes. Vince, the, the final question I have for you, and it feeds a little bit off of that, and maybe just a kind of personal advice. Now you don't just have my students at Pitt. You've got every young person out there. And what would you say, kind of concisely, with what you know now, what would you have wanted your younger self to know? Um, it's a complex world out there. Um, and trying to find resources and partners to help you through it uh, is important. So, uh, you know, making that effort to self-educate, use resources, uh, you know, through other parties that you can to support that process is important. Uh, and it's a, a, it's a continuous effort, you know. Uh, what I uh, did uh, and learned in my 20s, I continued to build, build upon through each one of life's decades. And um, not only professionally, but personally, as my family expanded, you know, the dimensions changed and the importance changed, uh, focus changed. And actually, I think it, it naturally gets easier when you're in your 30s and 40s and you have a young family and you have uh, a household budget and finances that you have to take care of, seems, things seem to come together a little bit more naturally. But before then, and where you can actually get a jump start in your 20s, if you can make that effort and have a little discipline around it, I think you'll be that much further ahead of the game. Boy, it is a continuous effort and jump start yourself. Yeah. Excellent advice for every every young person out there. Vince, I uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you know this conversation. I am excited to share the ERS investment policy statement. I, I hope that people take time to understand the wisdom that comes from documents like that and the pieces that we can apply as individuals to our own life. Please give my best to everyone on the island. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Trialwood Speaker Series. Well, it's been a pleasure, Gene, and uh, we hope to see you and your audience back in Hawaii, maybe later in the year. You know, we're not completely opened up yet, but we anticipate we will be. We've done a really good job of managing the pandemic here, and uh, I expect the doors will be open uh, later this year. And uh, Hawaii is one of the best places in the world to visit. I agree with that. My, my wife, when she hears that, is probably going to get on the computer uh, to look for tickets. Vince, I'll share a fun analogy. I do a lot of planning sessions um, with high school and college students. And uh, when we build the financial plans, nearly every time I put vacation to Hawaii in the students plan with their surplus cash. So I'll see what I can do to help that tourism as an industry. Yeah, very good. So, Vince, thank you. And everyone tuning in, thank you. All right. Aloha. 
You've been listening to Watching Trees Grow, presented by Troutwood. Don't forget to subscribe both to our podcast and our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Troutwood, please visit us at troutwood.com or follow us on social media. A special thank you to our guest today and our host, Jean Natali. Our producers are Jeff Davidek, Maggie Mayer, and me, Kristen Malone. This podcast is not intended to provide legal, investment, or tax advice on any of the topics we've covered. Thanks for listening. Join us next time on another great episode of Watching Trees Grow.